We're now going to turn to reading God's word. Um, And our reading today is from Proverbs chapter 8, and that's on page 641 of the Church Bibles. That's page 641, Proverbs chapter 8. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud, To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all humanity. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight, I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule on earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works, before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago, at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep when he gave the sea its boundary so that the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in the human race. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. 
Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me, find life, and receive favour from the Lord. But those who fail to find me, harm themselves. All who hate me, love death. This is God's word. Well, good morning. Let, my, let me add my welcome to that of Matt. Uh, my name's Sam. I'm the, I'm the student minister here at uh, Christchurch Mayfair. And thank you so much to those who've been making us feel really welcome over the last um, month or so since we've been here. Um, it's been great to get to know Sam. If we haven't yet met you, do come and say hi. We, um, we're still working our way around, around many people. But um, we're finishing our time in Proverbs this week. Uh, we have a rich passage ahead of us, much to learn from the Lord, from this embodiment this figure of wisdom calling out to us. So why don't we turn to the Lord now in prayer and ask for his help. Father, as we've heard, wisdom comes from you. And thank you that your wisdom, personified here, is calling out to us, inviting us, wooing us. Please, Father, would you give us ears and hearts ready to hear and to receive what this figure of wisdom has to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Who do you trust to guide you? That's really the question at the heart of this passage ahead of us this morning. Who do you trust? Who do you trust to guide you? Whose voice do you consider authoritative? Who will you listen to? We're introduced in this passage to this female character who's given the name Wisdom. Does not Wisdom call out? And she's not shy in stating her claim to be a trustworthy guide. Does not Wisdom call out? Does not Understanding raise her voice at the highest point along the way? Where the paths meet, she takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city at the entrance in the most public place. She cries aloud, to you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all humanity. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. She's not shy. But of course she needs to shout loudly because she's not the only one claiming to have trustworthy things to say. She's not the only one claiming to be a trustworthy guide. In the religious arena, you see, don't you, you see Jehovah's Witnesses with their little tables by the, by the gate and by the entrance to the tube station. And, um, and with their signs, we can, we can lead you into the truth. Come and, come and join our Bible study. I met with some, um, some university chaplains in my role as student minister here a couple of weeks ago, and um, they're very live to the aggressive recruitment of so-called Christian cults, like the International Christian Church, who, who use the name londonchurch.co.uk, claiming to be the only church. Um, I've had some contact with them, because they will track students on social media going to other churches in London and send them messages saying, come to our Bible study. We have trustworthy things to say. Trust us to guide you. But of course, it's, it's not only religious groups, is it? I, 
I'm not sure about you, I find that, I find that this, um, this device that lives in my pocket ha- has a particular sort of power over me. If I'm looking for some information, I, I'm used to just taking it out and, and, and Googling stuff. It's kind of become this extension of my brain that lives in my pocket. And, um, and AI has taken that a step further, isn't it? We, my sister-in-law was saying recently she spends a decent chunk of each day in, in dialogue with an AI bot, asking them for help with complex bits of code that she needs for her, for her job. Don't underestimate the power these devices have over us. They, they silently call out to us. I'm, I'm aware even now as I speak of where it is on my body. And you know where it is now because I just showed it to you. But with, they, the, these devices have a power over us. They, they call out to us. And we trust them to guide us. And of course the demand for, for counsellors and for life coaches and, and mentors has never been higher. I was chatting this week with a friend who's a therapist and, and she goes into schools and she was, she was speaking about a particular situation where, where without knowing it, two teenagers had independently sought her counsel for help relating to each other. They, they couldn't talk to each other, but they would talk to her. They trusted her to guide them. And maybe you have a counsellor or, or, or a mentor type figure in your life at the moment not necessarily a bad thing. We, 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 we trust them to guide us. But the big message of this passage ahead of us is that you can trust wisdom to guide you. Above all the other voices, listen to this voice. Listen to the voice of wisdom. Make wisdom your authoritative guide. Listen to your counsellor or your coach or your mentor, but only where what they say matches what wisdom says. Now, if you've been a Christian a while, you'll be used to coming to a passage like this and going, hmm, God's wisdom in human form. Hmm, speaking, walking, blessing, loving. Hmm, maybe this is a passage that's ultimately teaching us about Jesus. (laughs) And you'd be right. (laughs) So we could just go through and think, directly about what this teaches us about Jesus and and, and there'd be merit in doing that but I also think it's it's important we don't just erase this female figure who we meet here in Proverbs 8 God God wants to communicate this picture of wisdom to us in a female form and that's significant in in chapters 5 to 7 of of Proverbs if you've been with us we've, um, we've met another woman And we've heard the invitation from this seductive, corrupted adulteress. But here in chapter 8 is a lady calling out to us who, who in contrast, is is faithful and and generous and dignified. She's she's a a one-of-a-kind figure mediating God's wisdom to humanity. And it's good for us to sit at her feet and listen to her, even as she points us to our Lord Jesus. And the big message is pretty simple. Among the marketplace of competing voices, you can trust wisdom to guide you. You can trust wisdom to guide you. We can trust her to speak truth. We can trust her to counsel rulers. And we can trust her because she knows God's story. That's where we're heading. 
I'm not sure an outline made it onto your service sheets, but that's where we're heading. You can trust wisdom to speak truth. You can trust wisdom to counsel leaders. You can trust wisdom because she knows God's story. You can trust wisdom. So first section, really the focus, we can trust her to speak truth. She raises her voice to all humanity, which includes you and I, as we sit here this morning. We're part of all humanity. She's speaking to us. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. That word simple, it feels slightly insulting. It's not meant to be an insult. The word translated simple is just someone who's a beginner, someone someone who's starting out. And actually, I think it's it's one of you liberating. The bar is set very low. (laughs) You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to come as an expert. It's okay to be a beginner. You can come as a beginner and learn. And actually, even if you've been a bit of a fool, you who are foolish, wisdom will still receive you. Come to her and gain well, gain prudence. That elusive know-how for life. She can teach us to choose what truly matters. She can, she can teach us how to hold things lightly in this life. She can teach us how to cope in adversity. She can teach us the truth about life. How to, how to live it well. Listen, she says, for I have trustworthy things to say. She can speak the truth. Now, we hear the word truth, and, and in our sort of cultural moment, it, it, it doesn't always feel like a good thing. We live in an age where, where I've got my truth and you've got your truth, and, and, and there's, sort of, there's a bit of a battle of truths going on. The language of truth weaponized to sort of serve a particular agenda. Think of, think of Donald Trump tapping away on his app Truth Social, having spent the last three years challenging the result of an election. Or think of, think of Russia murdering one of their citizens in a revenge attack, or so it seems, and, and claiming it was their enemy. The truth is sort of whatever you need it to be to serve your particular agenda. And, and so we sort of, we hear truth and we think, oh... Or even just moving away from those sorts of examples, truth can, can feel a bit, just a bit cold, a bit, a bit forensic. You know, the old classic, you know, do you like this outfit? I, I can either tell the truth or, 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 or I can be kind, and being kind feels better. So t- truth feels a bit sort of cold, a bit forensic. But notice the beauty of, of wisdom's words. That blurring of, of truth and goodness. Verse 6, listen, I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. She says trustworthy things. She says the right thing. She speaks out against wickedness. She speaks words of justice. speaking, Speaking the truth is actually better than just affirming everything all the time. You do you is, is fine until what you do isn't okay. And someone needs to say something. Uh, and in our better moments, we know that we need someone in our life who's, who's willing to hold up that mirror so we can better see our flaws. Wisdom will do that for us. You can trust her to speak truth. 
One writer said, um, the unfaithful wife's speech is sweet at the beginning, but bitter at the end. Wisdom's speech demands discipline in the beginning, but promises life in the end. And later in Proverbs, Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. She'll speak truth. It, it demands discipline at first, perhaps, but it'll lead to life. And actually, it's only by coming to her and listening to her that we actually will appreciate, ultimately, the goodness of what she has to say. Verse 9, to the discerning, all of my words are right. They are upright to those who've found knowledge. You have to enter in to actually experience the goodness of what she has to say. We were exploring um, Hammersmith this week. We just moved house and um, looking for some of the best local food places, as you do. We've, we found a place already that does excellent falafel wraps and a good local ice cream cart, if you're in the Hammersmith area and, and um, so interested. But you can't actually make a, make a judgment on any, any of these places by just standing and looking at them. You know, they all look pretty good at, at first. It's only actually when you taste what they have to offer that, that you can be more discerning. And, it, and it's the same with, with, with wisdom's words. You can't, you can't examine them from a cold, forensic distance and come to any, any meaningful conclusions about, about her words. From, from the outside, even, they might seem unpleasant, especially if she's speaking hard truths. But you, you taste them, you try them out, you put them into practice, and only then do you discover how good wisdom's words are. We can trust her to speak truth. So she invites us, verse 10, choose my instruction instead of silver. It's precious, this. It's precious. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. In the marketplace of voices, choose her voice. Keep on choosing her voice. You can trust her to speak truth that is good and life-giving. You can trust her to do that. But to go in a slightly different direction, the second thing we can trust wisdom to do is to counsel rulers. We can trust her to speak truth to us, to, to counsel us and to order our lives, but we can also trust her to order the society that's around us. We can't trust anyone else to do that, but we can trust wisdom to do that. This week you'll have seen the, the horrendous case of Lucy Letby has hit the news as the verdicts came in. She was given a whole life sentence for, for murdering seven babies and attempting to murder another six. And there was fury, rightly I think, as, 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 she, as she chose not to attend her own sentencing hearing. And, and, and Rishi Sunak waded in saying that they were looking into changing the law to force prisoners to attend their sentencing. And I, I, was, I was listening to a, to a radio discussion of this with, with former Old Bailey judge Wendy Joseph, QC, and I was, I was really struck by her measured wisdom, acknowledging the, the visceral desire on the one hand for perpetrators to reckon with their, the impact of their crimes, but, but actually pointing out how difficult that was to enforce in, in, in practice and, uh, and whether actually you wanted a criminal intent on causing a scene in the courtroom at that point anyway. It was just very wise, I thought. But where did, where did she get that wisdom from? 
I've got no particular reason to think she's a Christian. Where did she get that wisdom from? And I think the answer this passage gives us, whether she realizes it or not, is she gets it from God. She gets it from God, from, from wisdom incarnate. It comes from him. Verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. You see, all, all wisdom is ultimately God's wisdom wherever you, wherever you find wisdom you, you find something that God has given wisdom <laughs> pictured here is, is, is the power behind the throne the kind of kingmaker. <laughs> whether they realise it or not what rulers need is, is, is wisdom and wisdom incarnate this person of wisdom and she has a blueprint here for rulers and for leaders and for those in power. You need to fear the Lord. That will lead you to hate evil. That will stop you getting puffed up with pride and arrogance. See, rulers have the power to, to, to do or to command immense good or immense evil. But, but following wisdom prevents rulers from evil behavior and, and from perverse speech. Wisdom is the power behind the throne. It's actually, when you stop and think about it, it's an extraordinary claim that she's making. By me, kings reign, she says. By me, rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern. And, and nobles, all, all who rule on earth. I don't know about you, I, I find it immensely comforting. I was hugely comforted this week reading this passage. To know that God is not absent from the corridors of power of this country. As our nation turns its back on its Christian past, it, it, it can be easy to think that, that God is only the Lord of the church. This is really the only bit where God is allowed to have any influence. But we see here that actually if a, if a just decree is issued, well, we have wisdom incarnate to think. If leaders are leading us well, we have wisdom incarnate to think. To the extent that Rishi Sunak and his, and, and his cabinet utilise genuine wisdom in their decision making, they're, they're using resources that come from God, that come from wisdom incarnate. Isn't that, isn't that kind of God? It's very kind of God. Even to rulers who reject him, he offers help in their governance. Isn't that comforting for us who know God, to know that he's involved there as well as here? Of course, it's not to say that being a Christian doesn't make a difference. Actually, being a Christian makes all the difference. Verse 17, wisdom says, I love those who love me. Not everyone loves her. She will help you. But I love those who love me. And those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honour, enduring wealth and prosperity. My, my fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. Oh, she'll help you whether, whether you love her or not, but she loves those who love her. She has particular gifts in store for those who love her. 
enduring gifts, eternal gifts, but also for those who love her in this life, wisdom will love you in return. It it, it really does make a difference to be a Christian. It really does pay to be a Christian. If, if all wisdom is God's wisdom, as we've seen, and if you're someone actively submitting yourself to him, actively delighting in him, actively hanging on his words, how could that not have an impact on your decision-making? So it's right. We should pray, we should pray for those who govern, that they'd come to know and, and trust in wisdom and, and in Jesus, to whom ultimately wisdom is a picture of. We can rejoice in, in, in the really val- valuable work of Christians in Parliament and Christian MPs who, who bring Jesus to bear in their decision-making day in, day out. We can give thanks for the Christian heritage we have in this country. I, I was doing some research this week. Every, every time the commons sit, they begin with this prayer. I think we might have it on the screen. Do we have it on the screen? Yeah, we do. Lord the God of righteousness and truth, grant to our king and his government, to members of parliament and all in positions of responsibility, the guidance of your spirit. May they never lead the nation wrongly through love of power, desire to please or unworthy ideals, but laying aside all private interests and prejudices, keep in mind their responsibility to seek to improve the condition of all mankind. So may your kingdom come and your name be hallowed. Amen. Amen, right? Isn't that great? Every time Parliament sits, they begin with that prayer. If you feel very far away from the, from the corridors of power in this country, then, then take comfort in this. We can trust wisdom to counsel rulers. We can trust her to do that. So we can trust wisdom to speak truth. We can trust wisdom to counsel rulers. But, but Why? Why is wisdom so trustworthy? What is it different about her? And the answer, I think, that we get in in these verses is that wisdom knows God's story. We can trust wisdom because she knows God's story in a unique way. She was there at the beginning, verse 22. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago, at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth. She was there at the beginning. Most, most wisdom that's offered... Is, is pretty limited to a particular time and particular place, isn't it? Think about the slogans of our day and age. You know, f- follow your heart. Be on the right side of history. Um, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. You know, those are some of the sort of slogans of our day, aren't they? Go back 75 years, you've got a whole different set of slogans. Careless talk costs lives. Make do and mend. Keep calm and carry on. Those, those were the slogans of 75 years ago. But the wisdom of lady wisdom is eternal. It doesn't change. She, she, was, she was with God at the beginning. She saw the moon being made. She saw Mount Kilimanjaro being sculpted. 
she saw the Nile being carved out. Now, Christians have, have always seen in these verses, a, rightly, a, a portrait of Jesus. And, and, and some of these verses popped up in, in, in some ancient debates around whether God the Son was truly equal with the Father, whether he was, whether he was created. Um, but those, those arguing that miss both the nuances of the original language and, and also the fact that this whole passage isn't a literal point-by-point -point description of God the Son, but it, it's a creative portrait of wisdom that's fulfilled in Christ. And actually the testimony of the whole of Scripture undoubtedly reflects what we say in the creed, when we say the creed, that, that God the Son was begotten, not made. So he was there with the Father at the beginning, but he wasn't, he wasn't made by God. He proceeds from the Father. Um, for, close that little bracket for those, for those interested in that. But, um, but she's qualified. Wisdom is qualified to, to guide us and to guide society because she's seen the whole story from the beginning. Verse 27, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so that the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. Don't you want to be led by someone who actually understands the way life on this planet works? That's the invitation here. Philosophers and sociologists and psychologists come up with their theories on human behaviour based on, based on what they've seen and, and, and sometimes come up with some pretty sensible ideas by accident. But in reality, we're all just guessing. But wisdom has seen it all. She knows how life works. When God set up the foundations of life in a certain way, she saw it all. That's why non-Christians will accidentally stumble into wisdom, because wisdom is built into creation. You can't get away from it. If life was an operating system, wisdom is baked into the source code. Wisdom, wisdom knows God's story. She knows how life has been set up. And she doesn't just know it, but she loves it. Verse 30, I was constantly at his side and I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. There's an exuberance at the core of what God has made. He didn't need to make the world. God, God created out of the abundant overflow of his own goodness and beauty and life is meant to be appreciated and enjoyed. Theologian John Calvin said this, I love this quote. He said, There is not one blade of grass and there is no colour in this world that is not intended to make us rejoice. Isn't that great? Let me read that again. There's not one blade of grass and no colour in this world that is not intended to make us rejoice. And that's why when the world was ruined by sin, God didn't say, oh, well, you know, so much for that. He went about fixing things. And we see here, wisdom shares God's joy in life. She rejoices in his world and delights in mankind. Oh, don't you want a counsellor who, who not only knows how life works, but is genuinely delighted to help you flourish in this life? Genuinely wants that for you. 
That's who wisdom is. Wisdom knows God's story and is delighted to play her part in it. We can trust wisdom to to speak truth and to counsel rulers because she knows God's story. And so as we close, who, who do you trust to guide you? We've heard this morning the voice of wisdom calling out to us from across the ages. What a delightful guide she's been. But of course, as we said at the start, the voice we've been hearing is fully and finally that of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says this. You are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. He is the one calling out to us, raising his voice to all humanity. Verse 32, now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Blessed are all who listen to him. Do you know that blessing? Do you know that blessing? We celebrate Jesus for many things. We call him our saviour. We call him our Lord. We call him our shepherd. We call him our king. He's our master. He's our friend. But today we've considered Christ our wisdom. He lives wisdom. He's the perfect embodiment of the wise life. If you want to see the wise life, look to Jesus. And he offers wisdom. He invites us to follow him into this wise life as he redeems sinners and teaches them to learn his ways, to share his joy in God, to celebrate all his works. So as we come to the end of this brief journey through the opening chapters of Proverbs, let me invite you again to come to Christ for wisdom. It might be the first time you've ever done that. It might be the thousandth time. Come to Christ and trust him to guide you through life. He was there at the beginning. He knows how life works. And he wants to not only save you, but help you. Don't close your ears to his call. For those who find me find life and receive favour from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Don't love death. Follow Christ. Find life. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are perfect wisdom. You embody wisdom. You embody the wise life. And you're so gracious in calling out to us, inviting us to follow you, inviting us to be saved from our sins and to learn your wise ways. Oh, Lord Jesus, please help us in amongst the marketplace of voices crying out to us 
calling to us. Help us to listen to your voice, to follow your voice, to trust you and you alone to guide us through this life into our heavenly home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.